In the Neolithic period, seemingly out of nowhere, the inhabitants of Malta, now referred to as the Temple People, started building megalithic monuments all over the islands. It's not clear how many of these so-called temples they built, but considering the huge amount of remains that still stand today, it's possible there were more than 100 on islands that cover just 316 square kilometers. What drove these Neolithic farmers to invest so much time and resources into these projects is a mystery. Where they acquired the skills from is also an enigma. There doesn't appear to have been an evolution in style, art and construction techniques. After several hundred years on the islands, they simply introduced these new and sophisticated aspects of their culture quite suddenly. Megaliths are not unique to Neolithic Malta, but the form and structure of the temples are. In spite of the contacts that these people had with other islands in the Mediterranean, which is attested to by their pottery styles and their use of obsidian, which cannot be found in Malta, their culture wasn't influenced from outside, or so it appears. In fact, it seems to have been an indigenous development. One way of trying to understand who these people were and what motivated them is to look at the art they left behind. In this video, I'm looking specifically at their bizarre statues, which have been found in all sizes, from the truly giant to the smaller, movable kind. So why are these statues seen as strange? First of all, they are corpulent. They show excessive adiposity. Considering how resources such as food and water wouldn't have been as abundant as they are today, the luxury of weight gain isn't necessarily expected, so we could see them as idealistic, as representations of deities that in no way reflect how everyday people looked. However, the statues are anatomically correct in their depiction of adiposity, except for a few weird attributes such as very small hands and feet, and very small heads with practically no fat shown in the faces. Of course, many don't have heads, but we'll get into that. So they must have been based on real-life humans to some extent. It's not clear if they are male or female, since the chest area could be seen as either, and there are no reproductive organs shown. Some statues have traces of red ochre on them, so they were clearly painted originally. Strangely, the statues have fairly concave backs, not showing any excess fat at all, but perhaps this is because they were meant to be viewed from the front only. These statues in Malta are unique in their overall appearance. There's nothing exactly like them in other places. However, the obese aspect of them is common in Paleolithic and Neolithic art from different regions. It's thought obesity might have been meant to depict abundance, wealth or fertility. Some statues are sitting and some are standing on decorated bases with spiral or pitted carvings typical of the period, but all seem to have the same pose. Generally, the statues have one hand resting on the thigh or stomach with the other down by the side, or both hands resting on the thighs. This paper by Temi Zamet and Charles Singer, written in 1924, soon after the discovery of many such statues, also mentions that the feet are mostly plantiflexed, which means pointing like a ballerina. They suggested that they could show real-life feet that have been manipulated artificially to keep this pose. Another bizarre feature of the statues is that many of them are headless, with sockets where their heads are meant to be kind of plugged in. Some of the heads that have been discovered have pegs for inserting them into the bodies. Zamet and Singer speculated that the heads were meant to nod, 
But it's also possible that the heads were interchangeable for some reason. Weirdly, some of the sockets are too big for head pegs, so Zamet and Singer thought they might be receptacles for something instead. The smaller clay figurines from the same period are more naturalistic, usually have heads, and do often show reproductive organs. But here I'm referring specifically to the mostly headless statues depicting corpulent figures that seem to have formed a part of whatever rituals took place at the temples. A statue found at Hajar-im has five fingers and a thumb on each hand. Only part of the body of the statue remains and the hands rest across it, which is why this particular feature is so obvious. Polydactyly, where people are born with extra fingers or toes, isn't uncommon. So the five-fingered statue isn't necessarily that strange. It could show that particular condition. But what's interesting is that a hand carving was supposedly discovered on a wall at the House Afliani Hypergym, which had six fingers too. In Ridley's 1971 publication, The Megalithic Art of the Maltese Islands, he says that the hand carving is really difficult to see and could just be a natural formation. In any case, it's long since disappeared. There's no trace of whatever it was today. I can't find any other references to polydactyly in the Neolithic art of the Maltese islands. Of course, there is the famous statue from Karahan Tepe in Turkey with eight fingers on each hand, which ancient architects did a video on. I don't know if there's any significance here, but I thought it was worth mentioning. The statues are either naked or wearing only a skirt. These skirts are mostly pleated at the bottom and are knee length. Some even have what looks like embroidery on them. This terracotta figurine, known as the Sleeping Lady, excavated from the house Safliani Hypergeum, has a head, unlike others. Here you can see what looks like embroidery on its skirt. It's the only example of a figure that's sleeping, apart from another one from the Hypergeum, which shows a figure face down in a couch. And of course, no one knows if they were definitely sleeping or in a trance-like state or what they were really meant to represent. They're both on display at the National Museum of Archaeology. The hairstyles on the separate heads look like they could be wigs. Many are bobs with horizontal rolls. They mostly seem to have receding hairlines. There's also a headless statue that has a long winding section of hair going down its back. So both short and long hairstyles are depicted. Although not shown on statues, pierced shells excavated from the Sharat Stone Circle Necropolis in Gozo indicate that headdresses were used in funerary rituals. Pierced beads excavated from temple sites probably form parts of jewellery, such as necklace. So in this way, the temple people were similar to other Neolithic groups. The hairstyles and pleated skirts stand out, though, as a, as a little bit more unique. But it's hard to know how other Neolithic communities dressed. Clothing and hair do not normally last thousands of years. And many Neolithic groups did not have the sophisticated art of the temple people depicting elements of their cultures. As I mentioned, the smaller clay figurines tend to be more naturalistic and show reproductive organs. It could be said that they are more representative of everyday people. In a previous video, I talked about the possibility of a plague having caused the abandonment of the islands at the end of the temple period. This was because of a small clay figurine found at the Tarshim temples, which shows a naked woman with her vulva, breasts, spine and ribs clearly depicted. Bits of shell have been pushed into different parts of her body. 
Some experts think the figurine shows a disease of the lymphatic system, such as the bubonic plague, because the bits of shell are pushed into areas that are normally affected by it. Sculpted body pots have also been found at the temples, which may have been votive offerings for people requesting healing of a specific limb. So maybe the smaller figurines were meant to show real people, or parts of real people, and had a different role to the corpulent statues. Experts are not sure if the headless statues are male or female or both, but they are quite sure that they represent cult figures of some kind and were important to whatever rituals took place in the temples. Popular literature talks of fertility cults and a matriarchal society, which is entirely possible. Perhaps the temples served many cultic functions, including healing and prophecy. I have my own theory, which includes an initiation element and also explains the adiposity, but it's not fully formed yet. I'm working on it, so bear with me. Thank you. If you enjoyed that, please like and subscribe to my channel. Let me know what you think in the comments. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter for more content. I'm posting all the time. If you want more information on the places I visit, then take a look at my website.